Hey, what's up, Insiders of Omaha? Thank you so much for watching and listening to us on here today. We have, um, gosh, today actually this is a selfish experience. This is one of my most fun, engaged conversations I've ever had that Christian and I got to do with. It's actually the principal of my daughter's school. We brought in uh, somebody that we don't get a lot of access to, an educator, a leader, and also a lifelong learner, uh, and is curious about more things than he probably even knows about. We have Kevin Johnson, the principal of Trinity Classical Academy, a hybrid model school where it's uh, part in school and part homeschool working with parents, you are going to get an insight into what that kind of world looks like. Uh, might seem daunting and disruptive and maybe something you don't know a lot about. To understand this might just be the exact thing that you and your family might be looking for. I know it was for ours and it was a long journey to get there. So come along with me for an amazing ride and conversation that will make leave you wanting more, asking more questions, and hopefully we'll see you in an information meeting someday about TCA, which I'm a big proponent of. But nonetheless, you will be left uh, wanting your thirst quenched even more. This is Kevin Johnson, principal of TCA, uh, Classical Academy. As always, this platform, this podcast is paid for and run uh, by me and Christian solely in our endeavors to get out the movers and shakers of Omaha and who's leaving this place a better place than they found it. And so please like and subscribe on the button below, leave your comments below, as well as hey, reach out to us if you might be interested in being a guest or if you might know somebody that'd be an, an amazing conversation. Uh, we'd love to connect with them and uh, meet with them. Without further ado, here is Kevin Johnson. Sure. Yeah, we work something. So we worked something out. Um, she came up. And she, uh, so she worked here for a year just before she was going to grad school. Oh, cool. And, uh, in that time she went to Cormdale mm -hmm. and then she, uh, the last weekend that we were here, the last weekend they were here or she was going to be here, her family, their family was in town. And we said, you know, why don't we just all go to church together? It's a, it makes it's sense. A, it's a day we all just spend together. Yeah. And Jess and I walked out and said, man, feel like God was maybe tugging on your heart a little bit. And, yeah. And, and we weren't looking for anything different. Well, maybe. So then the next week, we said, well, let's, let's check it out again. Let's check it out again. Yeah. So we did that for several weeks and then we kind of had this, okay, what, what do we do here? Yeah. Um, so started to listen to a lot of the Wednesday conversations. That, okay. I don't know if you've listened to that podcast, but yeah. that's a podcast that Bob um, does. And then Chris Hemmelman, who's the pastor of First City. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. He came and spoke at, at TC that one. Yes. He's awesome. Yes. Yeah, he's that was awesome. So, um, and uh -huh. really? Yeah. Kind of, City Light pastor? Yeah, City yeah. Light. City no, no, no. First City. In First, City. First City. Oh, Got it. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, anyway, long story short, we felt like... Uh, that maybe the Lord was calling, calling us to a change, um, yeah. which was odd because we weren't looking for a change. We weren't looking to leave anything. Yeah. Um, started talking a lot with Bob and, you know, and Bob's goal was never to pull from other churches. Right. And so we started talking with him and even just kind of talked through that and talked with our pastors at the church we were at and ended up there. But we, what we felt like was it's a, a really, uh, probably a really elementary way to say it, but we felt like Cormdale was almost like TCA for adults. <laughs> it was kind of like we were, we were starting to get steeped in the history mm -hmm. of, of church. We were, of, we were starting to get, it, there was just a, a level of depth that we hadn't experienced before. Uh, almost like a graduation piece. Like I'm ready for something deep. Kind of. Yeah. And so, um, so anyway, it, they, the two things kind of coincided. Oh, that's cool. Yep. So just cause I don't know about it really. Can you explain TCA to me what it is? Sure. So TCA, the easiest way to explain it is collaborative school. And um, what we mean by that is <clears throat> uh, both parent, parents and teachers take responsibility for the education of their kids. And, and we think that that's important because mm. uh, what we would say is that Scripture says, hey, parents are the primary educators and they're the primary people responsible for the discipleship of their kids. Uh, see that in Deuteronomy six. Uh, so this model is really um, a mixture of homeschool and what would be a traditional school. Students are on campus two days a week, and then when they're at home, the other two days a week, they are 
um, completing lessons under the guidance or instruction, depending on their age. If it's younger students like Nora, it's a lot of instruction. Mm -hmm. um, as students get older, it's guidance. And then as students get into high school, they're really managing the work independently. Uh, but they're doing that work at home. Now, the, the benefit, though, for a family is that the curriculum is chosen, the lesson plans are created, they're sent home weekly by our teachers. Um, and so you get the advantage and the benefits of being able to do homeschooling with your students, not having to go through all the curriculum That's selection cool. and planning. But then you also get some of the benefits of a traditional school setting, the socialization of right. that, um, but all under an unapologetically Christian umbrella saying, hey, these are the, these are the Christian convictions that we live by. These are how we're going to teach your kids. You got to agree that this is how we're going to teach our kids. So two weeks in, you're not coming in saying, Hey, I don't know if I like that you're teaching this like right. hey, up front. We told you already. This is what we told you that yeah. we're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's classical. And so, so using, um, using a uh, classical content, classical pedagogy. So classical is really what education used to be just in general. Okay. But over the last 150 years, education changed uh, with the development or with the advent of the Industrial Revolution, um, progressivism, things like that. And not just progressivism, I don't say that as like a political term, but just progressive education. Um, this idea of creating a skilled worker who is right, yeah, valued yeah. to the economy, da, da 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 versus what it had always been before and this idea, <clears throat> excuse me, of the development of the whole human, right? Okay. So this idea, there's a transcendent moral order. There is good. There is true. There is beautiful. Those things are accessible for us. Um, they're above us and beyond us, but they're accessible for us. They help us know what it means to truly be a human, to live according to God's plan, um, to know him, to love him, uh, to love his creation and know it better. But then also this idea that education was about creating a person, hmm. um, not just data and so um it's almost like the old like this is just stupid yeah. to say maybe but like what i picture like little house in the prairie schooling being like a little bit you know right. what i mean like it was more like your schoolhouse yeah which my mom taught in. oh yeah. very cool mm -hmm. really yeah so like you're learning stuff that's more applicable to life as a whole you are and and it's not even just it's not all that we're learning different things right right it's how you're learning it. it's how we're learning makes it. Sense. and so yeah. the goal is not necessarily to get to the end of fourth grade and say i know all of these things yeah. that's certainly and true all of every, every day but it's kind of to say i know how to learn got it yeah, i know awesome. how to pursue lifelong learning mm -hmm. um and then um that also means that we're going to do different things so, like we are going to read you know, are kind of one of the taglines. We're going to read the best of what's been thought, said, mm -hmm. and written mm -hmm. over history. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, last year, I use this example a lot. Last year, our, our ninth and 10th graders read Paradise Lost. That's a heavy lift. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't read Paradise Lost till college if they read it at all. Never heard of it. And so, so it's by Dante. You haven't heard of it? Yeah. Me either. Yeah, I don't even know what Yeah, it. so Paradise Lost is by Dante, and it, okay. it really is, um, it's this long epic, uh, really about, um, the fall of the fall of man, fall, mm. like original sin. And, mm. oh, wow. um, but it is hard. I mean, it, it's written in medieval times, uh, early modern times, I should yeah. say. And so, um, interesting. Yeah. So anyway, they, they dive into this. They're not going to understand all of it, but right. what they're going to pull away from it. So do. we're reading hard things. We're, they're reading yeah, Tales Two Cities. They're reading Great Expectations. They're reading. Dude, I love that. I think that's yeah. awesome. So it's great. And then they, and then a big piece of it is as they develop, are they learning to express themselves, to um, be able to write well, speak well, be influential. Um, engage well, respect, engage well, respect right. leadership as well as your own. That's right. That's your right. Your responsibility to be leader and led. That's yeah. right. That's right. So we really kind of, yeah. So anyway, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole lot of classical education. The resurgence of classical education has really been since the early eighties mm -hmm. and you can get really into the weeds about it and which we do like we we're, we're trying to make sure we're doing what is true to as the, the classical education movement is is rediscovering itself and, and developing. We're trying to be true to that. But at the core of it, it really is about, hey, it's the development of the entire person, wisdom and virtue, according to how God's designed them to live. So, And Nora goes there. Mm -hmm. How's she like it so far? No, it's awesome. That's I mean, sweet. Oh, and I, I, my wife is the one that's, involved in the and charged with the education piece at home i right. help out where I, little places right. like history and stuff like that 
but I'm, I come majority of the time to assembly. Yep. Uh, I probably would say I'm probably there more than any other parent. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, I, I just, I get a lot of it, but yeah. if you're seeing in action, a, uh, a uniformity of purpose starting your day, uh, the assembly allows for a piece of education, camaraderie, direction, understanding the vision mm. and that consistently consistency daily is what especially a younger mind needs mm -hmm. in my opinion mm -hmm. and it's provided through a simple assembly not just like a slap the table uh huddle of like what are our tasks today mm -hmm. it's like hey let's keep the vision and the purpose at front in order to allow us to accomplish the tasks necessary right uh so i think that's really that's cool. cool i mean I have been the most the thing I think I've been probably most impressed with is the level of maturity that these young and I'm only seeing really grades one or you know kindergarten through fourth and fifth grade, but the level of maturity that gets gets injected into these kids at such a young age, and in terms of how they respond to things, engage in things, and then produce things. So like the way they address adults. Every day they address the audience. They shake hands with somebody that's there to help and support the day. Mister, thank you for your help today. Uh, to um, uh, the way they conduct lunch at the lunch table. Every person at that lunch table is from a different grade. And it's a science scene that it rotates throughout the semester. So my daughter goes into a school not intimidated by mm. somebody that's older through coercion or maybe potentially bullying. But in terms of they are influenced by by being, you know, these older kids have a, are armored with a, the responsibility to lead and marshal young young kids. Right. And that is a far better way to run a team and and go through life and also build confidence and assurity in oneself. So you're seeing this, it's it's literally, it's the drip method. It doesn't happen in a, a retreat. It happens yeah, yeah. consistently over time. And then the other part is when they, when they do a uh, prayer, probably once a month over a foreign country that is being, um, uh, getting prejudiced towards their uh, religious beliefs, being Christian, religious prosecution, essentially. And what they'll have is they'll have a sophomore, junior, come up and give a um, no-note speech presentation to the younger kids about what this country is going through and where this is at. And I'm not kidding. They are speaking at a higher level with more confidence than the majority of college and beyond kids that I, and, and people. That Dude, I, I want to go start going to school. It's cool. <laughs> it's I mean, it's, it's really impressive. I mean, and that's, that's why awesome. they've had some massive growth in the last yeah. five Dude, years. That's so the cool. hockey stick has started to come up. Yep, there's, absolutely. There's been spinoffs. People kind of started some similar. Yeah. So, right. So we, uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah about nine years ago, school started, I guess next year would be the ninth year. School started with 67 kids and we're, we'll probably be right around 460 yeah. next year wow. between the two cohorts. So, but I think, some of what Tyson's talking about is even just another part of classical education is that we're partnering with just the natural development of children and of how they learn. Yeah. And so at that younger age, which we would call the grammar stage, mm -hmm. they're just inputting a lot of good facts and data and what is good and what is true Clean. and what is beautiful yeah. and mm -hmm. good words. And they're learning to recite things. They may not even know the depth of what they're reciting. So you know, if they are reciting Walt Whitman's, um, Oh, captain, my captain, they might know the word. So captain, my captain. But then when they get into this logic stage where they're starting to make connections, build arguments, things like that, um, then they're going to dive in a little bit deeper and say, Oh, Oh, captain, my captain's about Abraham Lincoln and about when he was assassinated, me, assassinated at the end of the civil war. Well, then maybe when they get into the rhetoric stage, when they're having to take that information and now synthesize it in, be able to speak well about it and maybe even make judgments and, um, about, you know, Oh, how did this impact reconstruction? Like Debated. this was huge. Right. And, and what does that mean? What does this tell us about the human experience? What can we learn from history here? Um, where do we see history repeating itself? Where can we push back against that? And how can we do this civilly and, and have a discourse 
um, whether I agree or disagree with someone mm -hmm. in the public square yeah. and do that well. And that's that rhetoric skill of being able to be up and speak. And so this idea of this grammar and logic and rhetoric, they're developmental stages, but they're also skills in and of themselves, mm -hmm. the, the building blocks of something, the connections of something, and then the ability to take that thing and speak eloquently and persuasively and influentially um, or write about, about that thing. So. Dang. Huh. So one thing, I, I, one I, I think is our uh, classical, uh, no pun intended here, as this model is literally and figuratively. I think from my from an outsider's perspective, I'd love your input on this. It's disruptive to the current state of the education system. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of questions: I guess, Why do you think it's caught on so well? Where do you think it's going? And then also, um, why are some people so resistant of it? You know, like this sure. idea, not only is it like, oh, you homeschool, but mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you homeschool and I, it's kind of foreign, but then it's like classical. Like, I don't even, most, right. especially my generation, I'm, you know, I'm a right. generation Y, I think Y or X, whatever, but like, you just, you don't even know. Yeah. That was really how it's done. So right. yeah, you want to expand upon that a little bit? Sure. So I think the pushback, I'll start with the pushback. Yeah. I think it's just, we don't know what it is. Okay. Right. Just as a culture, unknown. Yeah. it's unknown. So when you look, all of us um, who are raising kids right now, who are in this generation of raising kids right now, really back to our grandparents, some of our older grandparents are probably some of the last people to be educated, what Classic. we would consider classically. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's it's a little bit of the unknown. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know that I wasn't being classically educated when I was going through school. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't thinking, oh, my education is lacking or anything of the of the sort. But even kind of along with that idea, I mentioned earlier, the industrial revolution, yep. kind of this factory model, yep. you know, when you think about school now in most places, you think I go to all the different subjects, they're siloed, there's not integration between those things. And it's very, it's what's the most efficient thing. Uh, how do we get the most for what we're doing? And then how do we produce the best for the, what we've put in? Um, you know, very economically driven, productivity, productivity, productivity yeah. <laughs> driven, um, and even test driven, right? So and, and mass driven and mass driven, right? So it's like, does it fit for everybody? And so it's a different model. So I think some of the pushback is it's unknown. Some of the pushback is, um, you know, what 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 need to be fixed? Ignorance, well, naivety, right? Mm -hmm. I think. Some of the other pushback, though, is this idea of enculturation. So classical education would say that it is about enculturation. It's about passing down tradition. It's about mm -hmm. passing down the best of what's been thought and said um, throughout time. But I think when we look at progressive education, and again, progressive not in a political term, but just progressive in the current educational model, when we look at progressive education, really, in some ways, it's about Let's give, move away from what happened in the past. Um, and, and everything that's happening now is better. Everything that happened in the past is not good. Let's leave it. And let's leave it and let's grow and let's be better. C.S. Lewis kind of uses this idea. He calls it chronological snobbery. Um, and so that maybe is in its best form, thinking that what's happening right now is the best that could ever be happening. But in its worst form, it's kind of saying, hey, you know what? We're better than we ever were. And what happened in history doesn't impact us. And because there was sin and because there was brokenness, we actually going to turn away from that. Now the, the progressive culture isn't necessarily saying because of sin and brokenness, but they're saying, Hey, there were some really ugly things when, uh, during the civil war, or there were really ugly things during the revolutionary war. There were really ugly things during you name it. Mm -hmm. But what we're going to say is instead of saying those things didn't exist, instead of trying to rewrite history, right. We're going to address those things. We're going to talk about how did sin and brokenness impact what was happening in the world? Mm -hmm. What can we learn from that? What was being written about that? Mm -hmm. How do we not repeat that? And so I think it's because we're willing to step back into history and value those things, I think there's also a pushback there mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think then there's just the pushback of... Um, it, it's pushing against what is popular culture right now, right? And it's being supported, right? Largely. You know, there was an article, um, boy, I'm trying to remember if it was, I can't remember where I, where I actually read it, but it was, it was mentioning just the enrollment declines that we're seeing in education around the country. The public education. And that's right. And so 
schools are seeing enrollment declines. And there's a lot of reason for that. I mean, birth rate is going down, things like that. There was this mass expansion of schools and building and things like that. So there's part of, partly there, but we've also seen an incredible increase in the number of people who are doing homeschool, private schools, yep. or other options. And a lot of that was kicked off during COVID because during COVID, I think Makes people sense. realized when all of a sudden they were invited into the classroom through these remote learning opportunities, wait a minute, this is what my kids are learning? this is what they're talking about, or this is all they're doing. And so I think we have lived in a culture where we haven't really understood that our kids are capable of a lot more mm -hmm. if they're taught how to, and if they're guided mm -hmm. to, to do that work well. But I think parents also kind of woke up to the fact that education is not as neutral as I thought it was. I thought I could send my kid anywhere and that they wouldn't be impacted by some of the, the, new the cultural arguments that are right. being made um and that's just not true because those are assumptions that were underlying those things now i'm really careful to say that that's not every educator i dedicated yeah. 20 years of my career to public education felt like the lord had called me to urban education and that's where i served that's where i thought i would serve my entire career but i went in knowing that the system was not built on truth right the system was not built on um uh you know Christian traditions, Christian values, Christian virtue. Um, so I went in kind of with a, an eye set or an, a mindset to saying, hey, this is where I'm going to serve. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of educators who do that. And there's a lot of good things. And there you'll still see vestiges even of classical education in education today. I mean, we all have probably read Shakespeare. Something. We've all probably read Milton. We've all probably read. So these are, so we're still even in still uh, in there a so little that's right even even in a classroom you're still going to see yeah. vestiges of these saying hey these are the best thinkers of western civilization why are we why are we doing this so yeah. um but i think one of the reasons it's growing so much is people are expecting more um they're also understanding what was actually happening in the classroom yeah. um and the, and and i think in this strange providential way covid exposed some of that so yeah, I I, like I have to imagine. Obviously, uh, you could probably shine on this. Luckily, our daughter really wasn't in school mm. yet, but watching what was transpiring in front of us and having to somersault, and then just the amount of impediment and control and almost coercion uh, that the school system was enforcing on the public. It was because you just knew no other way. And you're just like, yeah, we're just, we're going to, we're going to get in line and we got to do it this way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I got to imagine that it's really hard as an educator, especially as a principal trying to lead the school of how to <clears throat> manage or how to even navigate that or lead that. Mm -hmm. How was that with all the opinions through or coming through from the, from your leadership team and through your teachers? How was that like? You mean just how we, lead in the current moment well through that through that time and space specifically COVID during stuff. covid oh. and coming out of it sure so i wasn't at tca okay i was at tca as a parent during yeah. that time so okay. we've been at tca for eight years mm -hmm. uh, we came the second year it existed um i was still in the public schools during That's covid right. okay and, and you've so been there three years now this is going yep. in my third or this is my third year and so in some ways it was great for tca because um we were already prepared. set up and prepared just by our model that parents were already taking ownership for the education of their yeah. kids. Mm. And so it wasn't so that big of a gap. It, it was, yeah, it wasn't a huge gap. Now we still, there was still that moment, you know, from March to May of, of 20 where our, our kids were home too, because everything shut down. Uh -huh. Um, but we just, we just kept doing what was already being laid out. Teachers kept, producing lesson plans, sending those home, and co-teachers kept executing and teaching those lesson plans at home. So there wasn't necessarily this uh, this big change other than the kids didn't get to be on campus and that was a bummer. Uh, they So they, they missed that part, but it didn't change the fact that mm -hmm. we believe parents are the mm -hmm. ones who are primarily responsible yeah. for that education. Yeah. And so, uh, so I think a school like TCA was really well positioned yeah. for to weather that storm. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, uh, um, I want to go back real quick. There was one other part that you had asked about why, why you think, or why I think TCA or schools like that are growing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the other reasons that something like TCA is growing for us specifically is 
people are interested in classical. People are interested in um, an unapologetically Christian school. Mm -hmm. uh, but the collaborative school, I think, also gives a lot of freedom for families who might otherwise think about homeschooling mm -hmm. because they see all the values of homeschooling, mm -hmm. but they're intimidated by picking the curriculum, yes. by planning the lessons, by doing all those pieces. And so to be able to partner mm -hmm. with a community of like-minded people to do that yeah. has been huge. So we have 197 families at TCA who are in this community all kind of doing this together. And it doesn't mean they all have the same family cultures, but it means that they're swimming in the same water. Yeah. We want the same things for our kids. We want them to know and love Jesus. We want them to know what it means to grow in wisdom and virtue. We want them to know what it means to do hard things, to learn how to persevere, um, to learn how to speak, write well, all those pieces. Um, but I don't have to do it alone as if I was gonna choose to homeschool right. exclusively. Right, right. So, right. It makes a lot of sense to me, yeah, personally. Well, and I think we're seeing even a reassurance in the home, one hundred percent homeschool. Absolutely, we are. their their ability to find each other and and plug into the mm -hmm. homeschool You're community right. is massive now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was totally different when I was. Yeah, that you were on an island. Yeah, when we were homeschooled growing up, because I was homeschooled my whole life, they they had like co ops is what they call yep. them. They <laughs> might still call them that. Yeah, they had co ops, but to be honest with you, it was like we were the only people that didn't live in a in the farms. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They would go to that. We were like the only city kids in those mm -hmm. groups. So yeah. there was a big like disconnect. Yeah. Um, but I actually read a stat recently because me and my mom were talking about this. And I have a lot of people that I've met that are homeschooled now. When we were growing up, it was less than 1% of the population that were homeschooled. Now it's close to 10%. Oh, man. That's right. So it's 10x since I was a kid. And I think I could feel that. You can kind of tell. But I, I think, think it's just the mindset of the... Right. So of the school system. Well, and probably another difference from when you were, were doing is even just, even for families who are exclusively homeschooling, the access to good quality curriculum yeah. has exploded. Yeah. yeah. You know, you've got places like Classical Academic Press or Memoria Press, um, and, and not to mention even the, the non-classical homeschooling curriculums, but you've got places that are producing really, really good, high quality curriculum. And, and we use a lot of that curriculum even at TCA. You know, it's funny. I just, that just made me think of, when I was a kid, one of the ways we got curriculum, I forgot what it was called. I think it was called Bob Jones. I don't know Bob Jones University. Yeah, have you heard of that? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the way we got it was we had live classes. But the way you got to see the live classes is we had this giant satellite we had to mount on our roof. <laughs> and then we, I remember me and my dad had to like bring the wire. I was probably like 10. We had to like bring the wire down. And it was really <laughs> glitchy. And like you could kind of see the teacher. And it was just kind of funny. I'm like, I'm, now it's just, it's all online. Yeah, it's like yeah. no duh. But we had this giant satellite we had to hook up. I just remember that for some That's reason. Awesome. But it's pretty funny. Yeah. That's cool. Talking about, so as a principal, there's a certain type of student and family that comes to mm. TCA. What kind of teacher are you? Yeah, what kind of question. person is is attracted or who, what are you seeing as you hired, sure. released? Sure. What are some of these really strong common denominators in each individual that makes a good fit for TCA? So in some ways it's one and the same because a lot of our teachers are also co-teachers. Oh, So they teach on Monday, Wednesday at the school and then they co-teach their own students on their home days on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, or vice versa. They teach on Tuesday, Thursday, and they co-teach on Monday, Wednesday. Hmm. And so I think it, it really comes down to families who are truly dedicated to the discipleship of their kids mm -hmm. and understand that that includes education. Because really, at the core, education's formation. And we, we had an informational meeting last night where we uh, bring new families in. We kind of say, this is what TCA is. This is what you can expect from us. And more than anything else, what I want them to walk away from those meetings understanding is that their children are going to be formed by the educational environments that they're in. Yeah. And so that formation matters. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of joke around, not, it's not a joke, but we say it's a 15,000 uh, hour decision because 15,000 hours is roughly the number of hours that kids are going to spend in school. Mm. And so that's a lot of hours. Yeah to be formed by something somebody. or some, somebody, some ideas, right. some assumptions. And so anyway, all that to say, <laughs> the families and the teachers who we attract at TCA and who I think are attracted to teaching at TCA are people who understand that idea that this is about formation and it's not just about information. <laughs> I may love teaching geometry, but at the end of teaching geometry, what I would say is true about a TCA teacher is that our goal is not just that I can 
you know, Pythagorean list off a whole bunch of theorems and postulates and things like that, but that I can understand through math that God is a God of order and God is a God of consistency. And so I can trust him, mm. you know, or I may love history and I may be able to rattle off a whole bunch of history and I can make connections. But I would say that our history teachers aren't saying we want kids just to know dates and times and, and places and things like that. Instead, we want kids to see history, see the arc of history, mm. see how human existence, human reality, human understandings fit through that. And then more importantly, to see God's sovereignty through that, to understand God has been sovereign, God will continue to mm. be sovereign. So all of those things fitting into the disciplines, fitting into God versus my discipline is siloed. And so I'm going to teach my thing. I'm going to go home. And so the type of teacher is someone who says, I, I think it's formation and I think it's about virtue. And I think that kids are formed through the good, the true and the beautiful. And that's what I want to be a part of teaching. Question. If, do you think in your experience of being around teaching so much in schools, kids learn more through information or emulation? I think it's, well, I would, I would add one more, I'd add experience, right? Okay. So I think it's both. So I think information is important. Uh, I talked with parents on Monday and Tuesday night and education is formation. And that means that the knowledge that we interact with is formational. So the books we read are formational. Mm -hmm. The work we do in math is formational. Um, the history we read is formational in and of itself. Um, but if we stop there, then that's where we're, that's, that's stopping too short. Um, instead, what we need to do is now teach what to do with that information teach our students what to love and why to help form their affections. Mm. And so, um, because if all I know is the information to go back to, you know, a captain, my captain, if all yeah. I know is the information about captain, my captain, but I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to, I don't know how are my loves shaped? How are my loves formed? What does that teach me about the human experience about God? Then, then I'm stopping short. So the knowledge is formational, but then the process itself is formational. So when I'm reading a hard book, when I'm doing a hard math lesson, when I want to quit the process, the learning process where I'm learning perseverance, where I'm learning diligence, where maybe I'm learning charity, I'm reading an author who I may or may not agree with, or I'm deciding that I agree with, but it takes a lot of courage to be an author, right? It takes a lot of courage to put your, your words down, knowing that they will live beyond your death and that they will be critiqued beyond your death. And so to understand and approach a piece of literature, a piece of writing with charity, that process is formational also. And I think we've spent a whole lot of time in culture and as parents mowing down obstacles for our kids, but we're not doing them any service for the future because if they're not having to learn how to persevere, how to be flexible, how to be diligent, how to do hard things, um, and how to do that with joy and curiosity, then they're not gonna be able to do that as adults either. And so the process of learning is formational, the information is formational, and then the emulation you were talking about, that comes back to your question, Tyson, about the type of people. Mm -hmm. We want people teaching at TCA who are uh, pursuing true discipleship of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. who are um, loving the people around them, living by, by Christian virtue, Christian values. Yeah. And that the, those Christian influences are also going to be a huge part of how our kids are formed. 100%, yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking. That's that's an amazing answer. So. I, I was listening to a podcast about um, biblical masculinity the other day, and um, you know, kind of it was about kind of foundationally about we've been getting things. I would call it, yeah, beginning things wrong on how to formulate your future aspirations, and it's about what's your fundamental why. Mm. And it's like, hey, if you're led by purpose, then whatever follows next is irrelevant because you're being led by purpose versus I'm going to figure out what to do and then try to figure out my purpose through the what I'm doing. Right. So it's an identity yeah. shift. And I thought that was like fascinating because uh, the idea was if I figure, if I know why I'm here, if you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, Christian's a Christian. <laughs> if we're, you know, we're here because to uh, pursue God and all we do and do it, uh, do all things through him who strengthens us. Then all of a sudden, now if I go and do, I'm, maybe I'm not a, Maybe I'm not a plumber, but I'm going to go do help help be an apprentice, and you know, or do some manual labor. I'm doing it with it with the with a thought of, hey, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because that's the, what I've mm -hmm. been empowered to do and instructed right. to do by the word of the Lord. Then you might find out through that, hey, maybe then you'll try a number th number of things, and now you're finding out, hey, now I know my identity, I know who I am, I know what skills I have, but now how do I employ them properly? Mm -hmm. Then you find out what to do, and then you have the ability to influence. Because it doesn't come in 
the reverse. Hey, what do I do? Now I have influence. Mm -hmm. Why am I influencing? So it's completely turning it on its head. And the original, like the progressive education system, I feel like has endorsed, let's figure out what to do. Right. And then eventually you get there, you're unfulfilled 10 years down the road. Why am I still doing this? Mm -hmm. It's true. And now I got to figure out my, my purpose. Right. And now we have a lack of like masculine leadership. We have a lack of leadership in general. We have a lack of stewardship in terms of faith and uh, principle and, and moral and ethical decision making. Like it's all true. So I, I love that was a great answer. I, I, uh, finding purpose and they're talking about our purpose is Shannon every day. You know, right. what's what you, in the assembly every morning? What do you always say? One of the main things you say it every day. Sure, yeah. sure. So I start assembly every day. Say good morning. Yep. The whole school says, all right, so good morning, TCA. The whole school says, good morning, Mr. Johnson, whoever is whoever is talking. And say, this is the day the Lord has made. And the school responds in chorus, let us rejoice and be glad yep. in it. Mm -hmm. And so, cool. um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just like, hey, this is the day that God's ordained. Yeah. And we've we've got a job to do today. We've got a purpose to fulfill. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's how we started. Sim it simplifies the order and it simplifies the task. It's sure. very clean. I think sure. it's really cool. Well, and you bring up an interesting point, Tyson, because the it, it's not that those things, it's not that figuring out your vocation, it's not that um, college career are, are are bad things. They're good things, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. They're they're how we help to advance the kingdom of God here on earth, right? Sure. So but where education today is stopping short is they're saying that's it. That's the goal. So I need to do well in school so I get the good grade. I need to get the good grade so that I can get the good scholarship. I need to get the good scholarship so I can go to the right college. I need to go to the right college so I can get the right job. I need to go to get the right job so I can have the right salary so I can do what? Yeah. Right? And that's the thing. And so it's like, what's the what? What's the purpose? Mm -hmm. And so... Even again, Monday night, we talked about this idea of wisdom and virtue mm -hmm. and that that's the true purpose of what we're trying to accomplish. That's who we're trying to develop at TCA. But this idea of virtue, going back to what's a, a Greek idea of erite, and this erite was the ability of something or someone to fulfill their purpose. Mm -hmm. And for us as Christians, man's purpose is to know, love, enjoy God forever, right? And so it all comes back to what is, what am I doing here? And my purpose isn't what my vocation will someday be. Mm. My purpose is what God has planned for me through whatever context mm. he puts me in. And so then again, even the model of learning, learning how to learn mm. so that if I make a change in my career halfway through, my identity is not changing, yeah. right? Mm. My identity is who I am in Christ and what I've learned how to do and that I've learned how to be a learner. And that then positions me even better to be able to make a switch someday mm -hmm. if I want to, without this big identity crisis. I think it's a, um, being in the military, a lot of guys get out professional sports, uh, whatever that might be, some sort of, some sort of, you know, calling where you are basically thrust into this intense model. A lot of people will get out of that lost completely. Mm -hmm. Because their identity was in that. Professional athletes you see all the time. Their money gets wasted away. Their influence is completely wiped from their feet once they are out of the limelight. And once they're, you know, they're considered relevant anymore. Uh, the military, I am lost with purpose. I do not know my mission for the day. I'm not putting on my uniform. I'm not, I'm not uh, saluting to what I believe in. The ideals of the, the, what the flag have been, have been produced. And all of a sudden, you are shot out the end of a shotgun to figure it out. Mm. And I've seen this with guys that in combat or not in combat or sort of peacetime, you just lose the sense of order mm. because they were using, I would make this assumption, a lot of times you'll go into the military to help prove, your, prove something about yourself or prove to somebody else Yeah, yeah. when you're actually still forming your identity versus going in with, you know who you are and I'm going to serve and then I'm going to go to the next thing. Completely different. Um, and so I think that's one of the hard things. You can't corporatize identity. Mm. Corporatize is a, is a journey. Uh, and like finding that out is, is, is a process. That's what's transformative. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's, I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting in terms of these kids are already starting to formulate young age at a very young age, most impressionable age, identity and something bigger than themselves, mm -hmm. respect for the right authority, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I had a question in terms of, You've talked, I think I've heard about Christian stuff, uh, the Christian value and the Christian foundation more than ever. 
talking one-on-one here versus just a glimpse I get in assembly. How do you guys handle or who is in charge of the Christian stewardship of the body of the, of the school? Sure. So I would say it, it's a shared responsibility between myself, the other leaders of the school. Uh, so right now we've got a, a grammar director who oversees kind of the, the younger students. So it's, it's uh, her responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's also stewarded by our board. Okay. So uh, built into our statement of faith to say, this is what we're going to teach by. This is how how we're going to approach, um, which is how we're going to approach this curriculum. Uh, but then it's something we talk about in our faculty meetings as well. Mm-hmm. It's something that it, it's that we keep in front of it. Every morning we gather as staff at 8.05 and we talk about, you know, it, it is more of a huddle yeah. Uh, yeah. where we're, hey, this is what's happening for the day. This is what you need to be aware of. Um, it's complex keeping two cohorts because it's almost like two schools. Yeah. Uh, but it's complex keeping together. So part of that is this is what's happening. This is where we're headed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a huge part of that, and one of the reasons that even as we have gotten bigger, um, I know Sarah before me kept it in place and I've kept it in place is because we spend time then in prayer for each of the families. Mm-hmm. And so we dedicate time every morning to say, hey, this is our purpose. Our purpose in teaching the phonograms today ultimately isn't just about teaching the phonograms, but it's about helping to partner with parents to point kids towards Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I think it's just something that is always in front of us, um, that we don't just want to be a Christian school in name, but we want to make decisions. Mm -hmm. We want to function. We want to, um, in our conversations, in our curriculum, uh, Mm -hmm. to always come back to those core convictions and and live and work by those. Uh, how is, I've got to think, I'm, I'm completely, I'm constantly comparing and contrasting with my view of the, the tradition, I shouldn't say traditional, I should say that the current system. Sure. Uh, and then the, the classical TCA school, how is discipline handled? Like discipline right. and accountability. Uh, well, that's another piece where we really, I would say that, uh, falls more into our Christian convictions, right? Right. So even when we talk to new families or when we talk to current families, we've got a, we have a very distinct Christian view of what it means to be a person, right? So we're all creating the image of God. So we're um, worthy of great dignity and honor because we are image bearers, Mm -hmm. but we're also born sinners. Mm -hmm. And so we're born sinners in need of redemption. And so we're not surprised when we have discipline issues Mm -hmm. at TCA, we would expect them because we're dealing with sinners and we're sinful people dealing with sinners, right? And imperfect people. And so when we approach discipline, we really approach it from um, looking at conflict from a biblical worldview, right? Like, hey, going to that person, I'm going to help you as an adult to go to that person, or I'm going to help you take responsibility for this, or I'm going to help you have a conversation with that person to say, this is how I feel you wronged me. And can we work towards restoration Mm -hmm. through that? So um, a lot of our discipline conversations actually end up being more coaching conversations, mm-hmm. conversations towards developing character and conversations towards working towards restoration, mm. um, repentance and restoration than just assigning a consequence. So a completely different mindset of discipline is not something that happens to you. Discipline is something that happens for Thank you. you. Yeah. yeah. I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, now, I will also say yeah. there are times you just need to say, Hey, not gonna... I'm teaching. Stop talking. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, this is not that, a kumbaya moment. Right. Yeah, and that happens right. too. And so, right. uh, so it, you know, it's not looking through rose-colored glasses here, mm-hmm. but it's the idea that we're just approaching it from a different perspective, right. which then changes how it plays out. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think there are also, uh, I would have to imagine uh, that sometimes you're you're found saying, Joseph, or you know, whoever this young kid is in, in the front of you, uh, how do you think? God would handle this. Like you probably have to have this conversation. The bad guy is not you. Hmm. Like, hey, let's put it up here. Like, I, I have failed. I've screwed up too. Like, don't think I'm. This is above me. Hmm. But let's talk about how this would be handled if we could do it again. Absolutely. You know? Right. It, yeah. It's it's discipline. It's it's training yeah. 
to do something. It's not punishment. Right. Yeah. No. It's Real training. Discipline, not yeah. like right. smack you discipline. Yeah. And there's <laughs> and correction at times too. There's a sometimes absolute, there's a stick method. Yeah. Absolutely. The other real key piece though, and I mentioned this before, we're doing this in a community of like-minded people. Yes. And so you're partnering with a parent mm -hmm. around discipline and you're maybe identifying a heart issue for a student and you're having a conversation where I would say the, the vast majority of those conversations, when I pick up the phone and I say, Hey, this is what happened today. Yeah. And this is how we work through it. And this is how, um, you know, this is how we, uh, led them towards, a, a um, an apology or led them towards accepting an apology. Right. If it's on the other side, can you also talk to your child about this? Because okay. yeah. the other piece of this is just like we would say that we, parents are the primary educators and the primary disciplers of their children. They're also the primary disciplinarians of their children. Right. So or should, if, yeah, if there is a major heart issue going on, we're not going to say this is our responsibility as a school to fix this. Yeah. We're going to say, Hey, we're going to partner with you. Yeah. Well, but how do we approach this? There's a double accountability there. Absolutely. Like we're gonna, we're yeah. gonna, if it's happening at school, we'll start the conversation. You will end it. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. And and then we see parents working together too. Yeah. So that I never saw that when I was a, um, I went through several different jobs where I was before, um, uh, and one of them I was a dean of students, which was a really fancy way of saying I did discipline. <laughs> all day long. Mm. <laughs> and, and, you know, I loved it because it was fun. Those are actually some of the kids that I have the fondest memories yeah. of because of the kids you got to know well. Um, but I always had to stop short. Yeah. I always had to be like, listen, you just got to knock it off. Mm -hmm. I don't want to suspend you, but I, this is, this is what the code of conduct says. This is what we're going to do. And then you get on the phone with the parent and depending on the parent, they might say, there's no way my kid did that. I'm like, well, uh, actually there is, or, yeah, you know, I'm sure it was someone else's fault and we just don't experience That's that victim. same level oh. at TCA. We see the partnership to say, more of a, yeah, I care oh, about my kids growth. I care about other kids growth. That's gotta, that's gotta, uh, adjust your conscious, your heart. I mean, like to not wear like, well, I'm, what I did today is not going to help. But, you know, mm -hmm. that stopped with me. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, mm -hmm. you know, there's no follow up on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. I'd be, I'd be hard to take home every day. Yeah. And cause that can wear on you. I mean, it's you, you, that energy is, it would be tough. I it would think. be. Yeah, it was yeah. hard. It yeah. was hard, but it was also rewarding too. It was rewarding. Yeah. And there were certainly families who were on board and they, they wanted the best for their kids and, and they would, they would work towards the best for their kids. Um, but the rewarding part also was sometimes you got to see that growth in a kid um, in that setting. You just knew that that growth wasn't being supported anywhere else. And that was the sad part. Oh, that is tough. Yeah. I'm curious. I, I believe uh, education, being, an, being a devoted educator is a, is a calling. Like, mm -hmm. and, if it's, and if you decide to answer it, it can be a really beautiful one. I'm kind of curious of, you know, what were some of the – experiences and some of the processes that you went through that were transformative in the sense that led you to say, this is what I want to do. This is what I dedicate my life to. Absolutely. And you mentioned that, Hey, I thought I was in a job that I was going to retire in. Right. It means, Hey, I'm pretty, I'm pretty committed to this. And then I'm going to pivot mm -hmm. to a different role following somebody who started something from nothing. Right. And try to build this out even more. Right. Like how, what, what were some of the things that happened in your, you know, before? Kind of sure. So the really easy one, I, I've told this story many times. Um, I was not going to be an educator. There was no way I was going to be an educator. Uh, I went through uh, in high school. Um, there was a teacher who read some of my writing, said, "Hey, I'd love for you to to work on you know, on journalism. I want you to take my journalism class, do the yearbook, do the newspaper." I'm like, "No way! I don't want to do that." She kept coming back to me. Uh, this is probably my sophomore year. Kept coming back to me, and finally, she said, "I'll let you be the sports editor." I said, "Okay." Okay. I'm in. All right. I'll do that. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And, but before that I was thinking engineering architecture, that was, that was where I was headed. That was kind of how I felt even God had kind of wired my thinking. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I found out I really loved 
this this journalism thing. And so took kind of a hard left. And, uh, and that was in, about like 16, 17, 18. Right. So junior, senior yeah. year high school. So I decided to go into journalism, mm-hmm. uh, showed up at Northwestern College in St. Paul. And uh, it was small enough that I was able to get right into journalism classes and communication classes. And I figured out I hated it. <laughs> Didn't like it at all. <laughs> not so, what I signed up for. No, not at all. So I'm doing communications. Um, and in fact, I got to do, uh, at that point in time, it was like cable access, yeah. color commentary for the basketball team. So okay. I'm a freshman in college, yeah. I'm doing this, and I figured out, I don't like being on camera. I don't know when the camera's going to be on me, <laughs> right? I don't know what I want to say. Yeah. So I have this this moment in my freshman year, like, Dad, I got to change majors. This communications is not, not for me. For me. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, try business, Try I, I try several things. And then I just figure... I'm an engineer. That's what I've always been. I'm going to do that. So I transferred back to the University of Nebraska um, to start in at the engineering college. And um, that fall, that teacher who had reached out to me when I was a sophomore, her name was Shirley Minton. Um, she was killed in a car accident. Dang. And I went to her funeral at Papillion High School, and the gym was packed. Hmm just packed current students, former students, families. And I thought to myself, I've been staring at a suspension for the last several weeks. Shirley Minton changed my life. She always told me I was going to be a teacher. And I said, I'm not going to be a teacher. No way I'm going to be a teacher. And Shirley Minton had always told me that. And, uh, and I sat there in that gym and I thought, she made a difference in my life. Even though I'm not doing journalism, she believed in me. She saw something in me. And so um, I left from that place and I said, I'm going to teach. Mm. Wow. To which my dad said, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> and and uh, it kicked off this whole long thing. And I had to make him a deal that I'd, I'd keep a math major in addition <laughs> to an education major. And, yeah. But I went back to Northwestern and I started to teach. Wow. Uh, or I, I, I graduated in teaching yeah. and I became a teacher. And so... Uh, yeah. I cut you off, and I want you to continue. When you committed and made that decision, yeah. and you went back in the leap of faith, back back to Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Was there a, uh, an affirmation that like, like this is what I need to be doing? I'm I'm not. Yeah, was that the right direction? Yeah, absolutely. Because I I found out I loved being in a classroom. Yeah. I found I loved working with kids, yeah. and uh, so it was it was fun. That's cool. And yeah, so. Went into education. Uh, I was telling you earlier before we sat down about then that stint I had at the camp in Maryland. So I followed in college, I followed some friends out to a camp, residential camp. And that was the first time I had worked um, in an urban environment because that camp was developed for kids from urban uh, areas in Baltimore, Annapolis, and DC who couldn't otherwise afford to go to camp. And so there was a lot of scholarship. And I had the opportunity to work um, with students who, quite frankly, I had, my eyes had been blinded before that. I, I, it was the first time I really realized in life that people didn't all grow up the same way I grew up right. and that didn't all grow up the, with the same privileges that I had grown up with. And so, um, so I decided to go to education. Then I do this camp and I said, you know what? I actually think the Lord is calling me to urban education. Oh, okay. And so awesome. then through, uh, chose some some experiences in Minneapolis and St. Paul for the rest of my education uh, degree where I was putting myself in these urban areas. Yeah. Knew I wanted to come back to Nebraska. Um, and in Nebraska, if you want to do urban ed- education, it, that's OPS. Yeah, yeah. And so OPS is the only place I ever applied. Yeah. Came back and, uh, and was there for 20 years. And so, so um, just kind of progressed through and always felt like I was still able to serve uh, and, and to serve the Lord in the different positions I had from a teacher to an administrator to a central office administrator. Dude, I absolutely hate this, but I got to go. Because <laughs> this has been like one of my favorite yeah. conversations we ever had. So I'm and I have a couple more. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on a couple more things. And yeah, catch I'll be able to watch it at the end. But yeah. Pleasure to meet you, man. Christian, Thank you, you for your time, man. You, Absolutely. Yes. Um, curious. So as I always say, it's interesting, you know, you're, you, there's obviously a lot of steam building up in, uh, in, in a good way of, of the momentum from the TCA kind of kicking off. My nephews were part of the first classes that were enrolled in it, which was awesome. And uh, one's still there, actually, um, Barrett Skoglin. Mm. And uh, so how – what are your kind of visions? I mean, obviously now we have the full facility – 
right. uh, uh, ability there. But what do you see happening in the next like you know three to five years as you see it mature? Right. So I think in the next three to five years, we're just going to see our rhetoric so our high school become stronger and stronger. And so because um, because right now it's small. It is small. It is freshman, small. sophomore, junior, freshman, sophomore, junior, and where you know in our younger grades. You know, we have four sections of kindergarten, four sections of first grade, four sections of second grade across the two cohorts. Yes. You know, we have two sections of these older grades and they're smaller sections. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're going to continue to see um, the strength in that programming. I think we're going to, when we get a graduating class, which will be next fall, we'll have our first graduating class. How cool. That'd be. I think we'll start to see like, oh, this is the payoff, right? Mm -hmm. Everything we were doing before, mm -hmm. now here's the payoff. Mm -hmm. Seeing our students graduate and and kind of um, uh, exemplify, and we've we've talked, we've kind of talked around it, but to exemplify what we would call this portrait of the graduate, like that they're civil. Mm -hmm. uh, we have civil, and it's that they're curious, they're influential, they're virtuous, they're intentional, and they're loving. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see that growth mm -hmm. uh, as a school. Our goal is to be somewhere around 500. Okay. Um, so to continue that two-section growth at, at the younger grades and to see the sections expand uh, into the older grades. But I think that's where we are. It's wonderful to have a campus that we have now mm -hmm. uh, out in Waterloo. Uh, we've got some opportunity even this next year we'll um, – some of the space that we've leased out to a daycare up to this point that comes back to us, okay. which adds six more classrooms. And so um, we'll be renovating that mm -hmm. even over the summer, um, which gives us more space to continue to, to grow those sections. Uh, but what I see for the, the vision of the school is that we're continuing to, to deepen what we're doing. We're continuing to refine what we're doing at the logic mm -hmm. and the rhetoric uh, stages. And then I hope for opportunities where our students are getting out into the community where they're, um, where the, what's happening at TCA isn't just happening within our walls, mm -hmm. but you know, whether it's internships, whether it's um, opportunities for them to work, which is already happening. That's one of the other things that's beautiful about the collaborative model. We have students who are now managing work schedules and they can do that because their schedule allows them to do that because they can flex when they do their school, they can flex when they do their work. And I think that could potentially lead into some really neat intern opportunities as well um, in the future. What about, um, is there ever, and maybe you've already touched that, but um, service mm -hmm. of yeah. PCA. That's great, great. And actually it's so much of it's student led. So we talked earlier about Friday and Friday, uh, the students on campus Friday is seventh grade and up. So on Tuesday and Thursday or on Monday and Wednesday, we have, um, all of the grades just in their cohorts. But on Friday, if you're on the Tuesday, Thursday cohort, or if you're on the Monday, Wednesday cohort, you come to school, you come together with that other cohort, uh, Friday, they have a different um, set of classes that they go through. It has a different feel. Mm. But one of the key pieces of that is what we call house. So in seventh grade, every student goes into a house, which is a group of people they're going to do the rest of their school with. And those houses are, uh, they focus around four pillars, camaraderie, mentorship, um, leadership, and um, and service. And so it is students leading service. It's leading their fellow students in how do we serve the community? What are ways that we can engage in the community around us? How do we serve our school? Mm -hmm. How do we lead the school? And so there are adults who are there, they're present, they're called sages, but it's the students who are leading. They're cool. prefix, executive prefix who lead their their peers. Um, Is that in a rotating Fridays. basis too? Or is it like who the prefects are? The prefects are chosen each year. Okay. So, so that's a year long. Uh, so they, they apply to be a prefect. They interview to be a prefect mm -hmm. uh, and they interview to be a certain type. So uh, they may uh, be the prefect over mentorship mm -hmm. or they may be the prefect, uh, one of the prefects over uh, service. Uh, but they kind of choose. This is where I think some of my skills and my bent is. And so... I believe in serving and I want to, I want to help other people serve. That's cool. So yeah. well, that's awesome, man. Uh, Mr. Johnson, this has been, uh, I mean, I, I think this could probably go on for another hour. <laughs> uh, Cause I'm just that curious about just in terms of 
there's a whole other piece that I don't think we really get into too, and I, I would like to some other time, but just in terms of the educator's mind and philosophy of leadership, philosophy mm -hmm. of instruction, uh, philosophy of servant leadership, um, and how that all affects and how that's you know passed down. And uh, there's a whole other element that. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming today. This is super great. Yeah. Thank well, you it's a time. pleasure and. I've been working on you for a while. You have been. You have been. Well, and part of this probably goes back to my freshman year of college where I don't know if I ever want to be on microphone. How right? much longer like can I say no to him? But, uh, but that being said, I won't go too long into this, but to answer really briefly that question, yeah, uh, I think it is really when it comes to leadership, when it comes to uh, stewardship of the, of the school, I think it's understanding this idea that we're all still learners. Yeah. That, the difference between a teacher and a student or a leader and a student is that a teacher or a leader is a mature student mm. and a student is maybe an immature teacher or leader. Uh, and so yeah. just kind of thinking, how does that all, how, how do we right. grow throughout life as lifelong Never learners uh, really and, and do that? And um, you're right. TCA is an amazing place. Uh, TCA is a place where we've been blessed as a family. We've been there for eight years as parents. Mm -hmm. I've got three kids there myself. Um, and I am, I'm forever indebted to, uh, the founding board, um, mm -hmm. to Sarah Britsky, yeah. who's the founding board or founding head of school who, wow. I mean, she just, she paved the way Yeah, she, and, and that also speaks to leadership because she and I are very different leaders. Yeah. I could 100%. not, I could not have done what she did. I could not have built from nothing what she did. Mm -hmm. um, that's not the the giftings that the Lord gave me, right. but he's brought me in at this point in time to, to help maintain and grow. Mm -hmm. And so huge, uh, hugely indebted to, to the people who came before me to make TCA what it is. I think that's a, a great point too. I, I think that TCA does this, it shows that there is no one way to do things. Like, oh, I could never do that. I'm not Mr. Johnson. I could, thing is, you may never be able to be Mr. Johnson, but you could actually do it. It would just be in your own way. That's right. And I think there's a beauty in that in itself of the of the of the um, the the element that's unknown. Like, hey, I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna put my own fingerprint on this, and we're both gonna be admire. We're gonna admire and respect each other's process because it, it we're getting similar or better outcomes each time, but in different different ways of doing mm -hmm. it, which is I think the pretty the beauty of humanity in itself. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, thank you so much, uh, Kevin, and look forward to getting to know you more down the road awesome. and as the school year goes on. Um, so thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. Perfect. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm.